Right, today I want to talk a little bit about the seven spirits of God. The Bible mentions in Revelations, in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6, it talks about the seven spirits of God. And I, you know, I've, I've heard about the seven spirits of God many times in my life, but um, never understood what it was. And as I made my study, I start to realize what the seven spirits of God really is. So let's go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. And we're going to read from there. Just uh, for those of you that want to turn there, I want to just recap quickly on what I said last week uh, for people that wasn't here. Last week uh, we just touched a little bit on the definition of spirit. What is a spirit? And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, you know, what did Paul mean when he talked about spiritual? He says, those that are, he says, we that are spiritual judge things spiritually. Then he comes, he talks about the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, they talk about the Spirit of God like there never was. And where did Paul come to this concept? How did he, how did he, um, why did he call it spirit? And uh, when I went to Thyawood definitions and I studied the word spirit, Spirit basically means the following. It means um, a vital principle by which the body is animated or by which the body is brought to life. So it's a principle that gives you life. Now that principle can be an evil spirit or it can be a good spirit. A good spirit means a good principle that will bring forth good in your life. An evil spirit or an evil pr- will be an evil principle, evil meaning works-based, uh, a law-based principle that will bring forth sin and death in your life. So God has got a certain principle by which He lives. And we're going to look at the seven principles basically, the seven ways in which from where God operates and how that was implemented into a a human being's relationship with God. Um, Now I want you to know that I'm not saying that the Spirit of God is not real. I'm not saying the Spirit of God is not a person. I just feel that we've had such a big focus on this person that we don't know, that just comes in, um, just kind of when the atmosphere is correct, and then heals some people, and we don't know how to invite him exactly, and our churches are all about methods on how to get the Holy Spirit. You know, and then we don't know why he leaves because he leaves for some mysterious reason as well. You know, and then we don't know how to get him again. And or we try, we, we look at what we've done and it worked, and then we take that method and we copy it and sell it to churches. You know, or say this method works to get the Holy Spirit to to move in your church. You know, or to have the supernatural. Now, um, and I do believe the Holy Spirit is a person. It's a person that has got a very strong um, principle from where he lives. And this principle was incorporated into, or God lives by that principle. Okay, so please don't think that I'm saying the Holy Spirit doesn't actually exist. It's just something in your head. It's not what I'm saying. Um, But I do believe that when something is spiritual, it's very difficult to... Um, to share it in physical terms because it's a spiritual thing it, it's like uh, if you live on Mars and you've never seen Earth and all you've seen is dust and uh, you know the red planet all you've seen is that all your life how do you explain to somebody what a mall looks like you know, he, he's, got, he's got no reference. And in the physical world, it's very difficult to have a reference to what spirit is. So it's actually a concept that's difficult to explain. But I do believe that it, uh, it can be understood. And as I studied this, even last night when I looked through this again, um, and this morning, I felt, you know, the closeness of the Spirit of God and the, and the, the available... The, the power of God that is so available unto me, unto a victorious life, where I don't doubt the presence of the Holy Spirit at all. Uh, the, the, the Spirit of God is present with me and with you every day. But a wrong understanding of Spirit will make Him close and far, close and far. 
you know, and we will, we, we will kind of think that the one guy is more anointed than the other guy and we will have, a, 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 and you know, a concept of, um, you know, God is so mysterious that we can't build a good relationship with Him. Now, um, for those of you that know me, those of you that don't know me, this is the way I think of Christianity. I filter everything through the finished work of Jesus Christ from the foundation of the Trinity, which is relationship. If something cannot qualify on the foundation of family relationship, um, you know, I will put a big question mark over it and doubt as if it is the true gospel. Family relationship, um, if, in what, what I mean by that is, if you look at a family relationship, the relationship between a husband and his wife, the relationship between a father and a son, uh, or his children, and how we deal with each other, and what is a good moral conduct there, if that cannot be, uh, if, if what God has done cannot be defined by that, um, then, I th- then I think it's, uh, it's scary. What I mean by that is, if, say, I'm the father, you know, Henry is the son, and Elena would be the Holy Spirit. If Elena would be so mysterious that you, you, you don't know where she is the one day, and the next day she's like, one day she's like this, the next day she's like that. Now, this is not the right place to say that's how women are. Okay? This is, that's the wrong place to say it. Okay? <laughs> Hey! But still early in the service, I can correct us, you know. (laughs) So, um, if if she's so mysterious that you never know who she is, the one day she'll be friendly, the next day she's just gone, don't know where she is. Then the next day she's there. If you want to describe the Holy Spirit like that, and you want to say you must have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit, but He's so mysterious... It can't work even in normal relationship. How much more will it not work in a spiritual relationship? A spiritual relationship where you can't see. You know, you can't see the person. You can't talk every day and try and explain in physical terms what's going on here. It's, it's purely based on belief. I believe in. I don't see. I believe. I rest my mind in someone that I cannot see. If, if this too much mystery there um, and not things that's clear cut there, you know, we will struggle to have a relationship with God. So on that foundation is, is where I base this teaching. The finished work of Christ where we've been included into the Godhead, the Trinity, where we can have a relationship with God based on understanding. Amen. So, just that you guys know. So, the Holy Spirit, uh, or, or a spirit here, according to Thayer, is a principle which will give you life. One of the things he says here, it's an influence which will fill and govern your soul. It's an influence that will fill and govern your soul. That's a spirit. Okay, so um, th- if, if you define that as spirit, you know, then I want to say the way, you know, I've, I've, uh, when, when I worked a lot amongst the colored people, they would always say, man, this guy's got a spirit of fear. He's got a spirit of this. He's got a spirit of that. And what it's actually said is there's something that influences his soul to the point that he fears. And that's something we've always made of some demon or something. You know, and I don't say there's no not such a thing as a demon, but I think most of the time, the root of it is just a wrong belief. I just believe wrong. If you can believe the right thing, you'll be free. I've seen many times in in outreaches in Africa um, and in in my dealings with with people that I can see the person has got maybe a demon. There's a, a slight demon manifestation in the person. But what I, what I did was, I would just continue to preach the gospel. And when the person believes the right thing, you find the demon's gone. Amen. Because the, the life that is, whatever comes to life in him is based on what he believes. That, that, that's the way. You know, that's the way it works with us. If you believe a certain thing about your money, can either what you believe can either bring forth a man of joy, a man of peace, or a man of fear. What you believe concerning your children when they go to school, 
you know, and they must walk to school in the morning or something like that. What you believe about their safety is what's going to bring to life either a person of fear or a person of peace or a person of joy. Okay, so the right principle believed will give birth to the right life. And this is so true to us. This is what Paul basically talks about when he talks about being in the Spirit. And we're going to look a bit more on that. So that was just a recap of last week's service. Um, now we're going to go to Re- Revelation 5, verse 6. And this is a vision of Jesus. And this is what John describes. He says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne... Um, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood the Lamb as it had been slain. So, what does he see here? He gets a picture of Jesus. He's on the Lord's day, the day when He was crucified. And this is the picture. He sees a throne. He sees the, 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 the beasts, all of them signifying something. But then he sees, in this throne, I see a Lamb as if He is slain. So what are you talking about? It talks about Jesus who was hanging on the cross. Okay? And what it all... And, and the whole gospel is going to be seen in this. You're going to see this now. Um, it stood a lamb as, um, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So, <laughs> here's the lamb of God. When I look at this lamb, this lamb has got seven horns and seven eyes. These eyes and horns are the spirit, the seven spirits of God. These eyes and these horns are the seven spirits of God. Now, which was sent in all the earth. Now, what happened? When was the spirit sent in all the earth? In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. What was this? This was seven eyes. What does the eye talk about? It talks about how you see something talks about a revelation. How you see, your perception, that's the right word, thank you. Your perception. And a horn, uh, 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 a horn can speak of people uh, uh, that interpret revelation, say it speaks of kingdoms or those kind of things. The way I see a horn, uh, it, it all talks about a trumpet that was blown to announce something. It was the seven spirits or God's way of, God's perfect way of seeing something that was announced. It was the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the earth for every person. So, here's the Lamb of God. When this Lamb of God was slain, we can now have, we've got a different perception. Now, we've got a different announcement which goes all over the earth. And what is this announcement? The sin of all people was taken away. God is not a God that is far, but that has come close. God has removed the barrier between man and God. Here comes Peter, and he heals a person that was paralyzed at the gate. He heals the person. He says, why are you so amazed why this person is healed as if it was by our own godliness? or our own righteousness that this person was healed. But let it be known to you that in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. What does in the name of Jesus mean? In the name of this gospel, this message, what Jesus stands for, this person was made well. The moment we can start to think of the, of the Spirit of God as the gospel message, you will not feel that you are not empowered anymore. Because the moment you can believe the true message, you can realize, like the Bible says here, the person of who the Holy Spirit is, and the message of the gospel is so interwoven that you can't separate the two from each other. It's one. That's why the Bible says, and we will still read it, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and the Lord is the Spirit. It doesn't say that. Jesus is the very principle by which God lives and deals with us. And if you want the Spirit of God, you need to have the view that God has as pertaining to a lamb that was slain. Other than that, you're not having the Spirit of God. You're having another spirit. Now let's go and read quickly. Um, uh, I'm just going to mention this just just for interest's sake. The Bible says, if a spirit is cast out, talking about devil, if a devil is cast out and the house is empty, 
what will that spirit do? He will go and take seven other spirits. That's even more wicked than himself, and then they will move into that place. Now let me explain it. This is what he says. He talks about uh, uh, the spirit that is not the spirit of God. That's all it talks about. He says, if I come, and he talks about the Pharisees, and I remove the spirit by which these people live, which is the law spirit. Okay? They live by the law, waiting for Christ. So at least it was, in a certain degree, good. It brought forth sin in their lives, but it was an expectation for Christ. Now, if that is cast out, and it's not replaced with the Spirit of God, the seven spirits of God, which I will explain. If that's not replaced with the gospel message, and your heart floods the gospel message, what will happen? Something contrary to the real gospel will come into your life and then indwell you. So what he was saying is, if I have removed the law system on the cross and people can't receive the real gospel, what they now receive is something that's contrary to the gospel. Where under the Old Testament, how could you receive something contrary to the gospel? You couldn't because the law you received was a prophetic word unto Christ. But now that is fulfilled. Now you don't receive Christ, your, your state's worse off now. Yes. You're worse off than what you were before. And what he comes here, and I like what he says here, he calls seven more evil spirits. And when he talks about the Spirit of God, he talks about the seven spirits of God, which is the seven hordes, like we would say seven messages, seven ways of looking at things. And we're just going to look at the foundation of that. I'm going to read Isaiah 11 verse 2. I believe this is going to make sense to you soon. Isaiah 11, 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit... Listen, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So it's the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Seven spirits. Shall rest upon Jesus. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord. And this morning I, I prayed, I said, I, I never understood, because to me I counted six, you know, the spirit, of, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of this, but I counted six. But then I realized it says there the spirit of Jehovah or the spirit of God. The spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, God, and, and I know this is very technical, but please, you know, when you... W- when I grab the hold of this, and as I'm understanding this better, it's really giving me so much peace of mind and makes, it makes life easy. The Spirit of God was upon Jesus. Let's prophesy about Jesus. When the Spirit of God was upon Jesus, what does it mean? It means the principle that you function like God, or that you're a God, was upon Jesus. Okay? And do you know that that Spirit is upon us as well? We don't function in the spirit of slavery. We function in the spirit of God. We come as gods. We're not a god. We're not God. We're the God kind. Amen. The Bible says, and I think this is in Psalm 82, He says, doesn't your law call you gods? Amen. He says, you make yourself equal to God by calling yourself the son of God. That's why we want to stone you. Then He says, what have I done wrong? Because your own law calls you gods. Yeah, small, small, small letter gods, okay? So what it means is we've got the spirit of God upon us. We don't have the spirit of animal. We don't have the spirit of slavery. You see how Jesus comes in. One of the spirits of God, if you want to call it that way, is the message that you are the God kind. Where we start to perceive things and start to see things in the land that was slain, that we are the God kind. We're not a, just humans. We are a human, but a human is seated at the right hand of God, for the Lamb was slain. And because the Lamb was slain, a message, the spirit, seven spirits of God, this message of we are the God kind has traveled the earth. Amen. It's, it's proclaimed all over the earth. The spirit of God rests upon Jesus. The spirit of wisdom. Wisdom to function, uh, Jesus functioned from the foundation of, of wisdom. We also, every human being functions from the foundation of wisdom. Like I said, I think three or four weeks ago, it's wisdom is, you know, you get the communist wisdom. The communists has got a certain wisdom. The, the uh, uh, 
the socialist has got a certain wisdom. The, I mean, every kind of political thing, they've got their own wisdom on how they understand things and see things and function. Here God is also, Jesus Christ comes and He says, I am a being that functions from this platform. I'm a being that functions from, I am like God. I'm a being that functions from wisdom. I've got a certain principle by which I function. And the wisdom of God, the Bible says, and Jesus Christ became the very wisdom of God unto us. So we are also a being that functions from wisdom. But what is our wisdom? The wisdom that we function from is this wisdom. That one man became a sinner. Or, or, or one man sinned. Jesus Christ was incarnated into human flesh, sinful human flesh, died it off, was raised up, seated at the right hand of God. That is the wisdom from where we reason. It would be absolute foolish and not wise to think of yourself outside of any parameter where you are not included into the Godhead, the Trinity. Amen. The spirit of wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. Um, the spirit of understanding. The way we find God function in our life is by understanding the gospel. The spirit of understanding. The principle of understanding. If you don't understand, and that is one of the big things I see in church today. We, we, we have not received this spirit of God. We've received different spirits. This is the spirit of God that we need to receive. We are the God kind. The spirit by which we live is, listen, we, have the, we need to understand the wisdom of God. Because when we can believe upon and know how God reasons and functions and thinks about every human being, we find the power of that spirit manifesting in our life. Amen. You can find in the presence of the greatest turmoil in this world, when you can know God's wisdom concerning it, you can find the, a, a powerful peace that the Bible calls peace above understanding flood your life. And that you call by the power of the Spirit of God. But we can't walk in another spirit and expect the power of the manifestation of God's Spirit in our life. If I go with the spirit of, I don't qualify, I'm not good enough, um, this thing has happened to me and, and, and I, I don't know how am I ever going to get out of this and I get bombarded all the time with, with well, I've opened a door for the devil and I've, you know, I believe in that kind of a wisdom that if I open a door for the devil, the devil can live in me and all those kind of things. You know what? You're not going to have a victorious life. That spirit, that belief system will give life to fear and death in you. But when we get into the Spirit of God, the principle of, I function as the God kind. I function by the very wisdom of God. I function by understanding. Understanding means you know how things fit together. When you know how you fit together with God. You know, this, this, spirit, this spirit could never be preached unless Jesus died. You couldn't go and tell everybody, listen, you are the God kind because they were slaves. You couldn't go and tell people, listen, function by the wisdom of God, for they had a different wisdom. The Bible calls it the wisdom of this world. You couldn't tell them, talk to them about understanding, because what could they understand? They could only understand the law. But now, the, 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 the gospel can be preached in every area of our life. Amen. It calls, also says that the spirit of counsel, in the, Greek, in the Hebrew it says the spirit of purpose. We are beings that can only function by having a purpose. If you don't know your purpose, how can you function? So God comes and He defines who the God kind is. He defines what wisdom is. He defines what understanding is. And He defines your purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to have fellowship with God. To be a friend of God. That's it. Our purpose is not to, to rule and reign on the earth because God needed a gardener. No, no, we can do that as well, but that was not the number one purpose. Like I said so many times, the purpose of, of um, having children is not for them to work for me or worship me. The, the number one purpose for them is, I want them to partake in my kingdom. I want someone that can inherit what I have. I want someone to have my quality of life. 
I'm experiencing something that's so beautiful, this quality of life, that it's too much just for me, so that I need to create somebody else that functions exactly like me, that they can experience that quality of life based on the same spiritual principle. The spiritual principle of wisdom, understanding, purpose. Amen. The moment we've got purpose wrong, you know, you'll struggle to experience the, uh, the life of God in that area of your life. But when we look at the Lamb of God slain, from there the seven spirits go. So we cannot define our state, our godly state, outside of the slain Lamb. We cannot define wisdom outside of the slain Lamb. We cannot define understanding outside of the slain Lamb. Now I want to understand how to deal with my business here. I want to tell you outside of the Lamb of God that was slain, there's no understanding for you. You need to go to some yes man that's going to ex- work, your, work your kind of human faith up uh, strong enough so that you can say, I can do it, I can, I can. It's like with Barack Obama, he said, we can. You know, you know what happens after you've said we can long enough? You realize we can't. <laughs> because we can't. Because nothing against Barack Obama, I'm just talking about the principle. You know, of we can, we can. So you've, you're going to get some kind of a wisdom of I can, I can. But when you see the Lamb of God slain and the Spirit that comes forth from the slain Lamb, which is trumpeted all over the world, yeah. I mean, we start to see what understanding is. A spirit of might or power. You cannot understand your power outside of the slain lamb. Does a human being have power outside of the slain lamb? Yes, he does have, but it's not God's kind of a power. If I look at the power that I possess and and what's happening in in the ministry and in my life, in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, the power that I possess is born from the revelation of the lamb that was slain. But I can just go... Ten houses down the street and find someone else that doesn't believe in what I believe, maybe believe something else. And he's also very strong. But the power that, that he functions by, the, the spiritual principle that he uses, is not the spirit of God. It's the spirit of the world. Of Listen, you have to arm a you know, my drug dear. Okay? You know, those kind of things that you just. I asked people to got people to build there thank God I didn't have to have a whole house built oh glory to God we're just doing the bathroom over so then they built this wall around the bath and then afterwards I realized I never put sand under the bath now that's a problem you know because if you step in the bath you can crack the bath but they've already built the wall so what do you do? I go there, I break the wall down. Phone the guy, tell him he must know he's not going to be paid. Now I'm building the wall. <laughs> you know, the, it's it just, so, so while I'm building the wall, Love Wall, the guy that helps me, I said to him, Love Wall, this brick must stand here. It doesn't have a mother or a father. <laughs> And after a while the thing was standing there. So there's certain principles by which we function in this world, you know. But those principles aren't eternal principles. It's not principles that can really give you the life God intended for you. Wisdom and understanding and purpose is born from the slain lamb and that is the spirit we function in and don't let anybody and and I say this with with a passion in my heart don't let anybody tell you that believing in that principle does not possess power to raise you even from the dead because the moment we want to say that this gospel the simple gospel is the very spirit in which God functions we want to say no there must be something more as if this truth believed cannot produce amen so then it goes on it says this it talks about the spirit of knowledge so Jesus upon him was the spirit of God he functioned from God and he came and gave his spirit to us that we function from the perspective when we see the lamb of God slain that we can know who we are we function in the spirit of God 
as I've explained. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, purpose, might and power. So this authority and power, your authority and your power derives from the revelation of what happened in the slain lamb. That's a spirit that we function in. The spirit of knowledge. Knowledge there, experiential knowledge. That we function from the foundation of feeling something. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, God was not in heaven and didn't feel love towards man and made a will's decision to go and give His Son for you. No. He, 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 inside Him, the spirit from where God functions, the spirit from where Jesus functions, is the spirit of experiential knowledge. Where you know a truth about someone that is changed or, yeah, let's put it, changed, transformed into emotions and feelings and from there God functions. Now, the spirit, that spirit in which God functions finds a definition in the lamb that was slain, in the perception of what the lamb has done, we have new knowledge and we have new emotions and we make those this, the decisions in this life based on the spirit of God that defines our knowledge and gives birth to our emotions. That's why we live by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to God. So the Spirit of God, that's why Paul says, if we, by the Spirit of God, mortify the deeds of the flesh, we will have eternal life. So how do we mortify the deeds of the flesh? Deeds of the flesh, that which is born from a law mentality. How do we get that dead? By understanding and looking at the slain Lamb of God, getting into the Spirit of the Lamb. You know, if somebody talks about money all the time, you'll say he's got a spirit of money. I just want to try and explain this. If he talks about the slain lamb all the time, you'll say he's got the spirit of the lamb. That's what you need. <laughs> Every time when it comes to health, when it comes to a relationship, when it comes to anything, you talk about the lamb of God and what the lamb of God meant for you and where that placed you. You are in the spirit of God. And you have the Spirit of God. When you believe in that, you have now received the principle from where God deals with man. You've received the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What talks about the Spirit? Like I said, the Spirit of knowledge, experiential knowledge. I've taught many times on this, on how to hear the voice of God. Then the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is so beautiful. The spirit of having respect. The father has got respect for the son. The son has got respect for the father in this principle of respect. So what we have in Christ, our respect is redefined. I don't have respect anymore for the old system. But the seven spirits of God, one of the spirits here, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, a message with a new view is proclaimed all over the earth which defines my respect for God. Now somebody said to me, Bert, you need to preach a little bit more on commitment. Okay? So I said, okay, I will preach on commitment. So I went and I worked out the teaching on commitment. But my teaching on commitment I don't think is what people want me to say. Because I... I, this is what I said. I said, God is fully committed to man. Amen. Even if you are not faithful, He remains faithful. Yes. That's commitment. Okay, I preach commitment. And then I said, our commitment is towards the fact that He is committed to us even if we're not committed. Amen. And we're committed to that truth. That's the commitment. I can't preach on you must be committed to me. Because then I'm lying. You know, even in this fellowship here. I mean, I can't preach, be committed to Bertie or be committed just to the vision of this church. I can't preach that. Because that is not the gospel. The gospel is, and the reason why we gather here in the spirit of the Lord would be to have respect for the lamb that was slain and understanding what the slain lamb means and how to appropriate that into your life every day. That's the reason our commitment, if anything from our side, is to the fact that He committed to us by the Lamb of God slain. <laughs> That's good news, man. This is good news. We've had things the other way around. 
And from this Spirit we find, I want to tell you, the, the, the very person of the Holy Spirit, as we believe upon these truths, we find the Spirit of God bring to life God in us. We start to think like Him. We start to reason like Him when we see people. We start to think the way He thinks about everything, things in everyday life. Because we are in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is, is busy living in us. And by that, the deeds of the flesh and the law is mortified. And we find the fruit of the Spirit in us. You know, we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians as a command. It was never a command. It is what was promised should you be in the Spirit. And when are you in the Spirit? When you can just believe in the Lamb that was slain. And you can be defined now by the slain Lamb. And your view, I like the number 7, talks about perfection. Okay? You can have this perfect view about who you are and how you are included into what God has done in Christ. And from there, you live. You live in that spirit. Amen. So the seven spirits of God. The spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How God respects, how the Father respects Jesus. That respect that there is between two people that are the closest friends that you can ever find. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He respects Jesus. Do you know that the Father lives by that Spirit because of the Lamb towards you? That God Almighty has got the greatest respect for mankind? Because these are the Spirits of God. He functions like this. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 1. Do we begin... It's a lot of verses. I'm just going to read this quickly. It says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles um, of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you so he says do we must we commend ourselves to you he writes to the corinthians must i now prove to you that i'm an apostle that's what paul said he says you are our epistles written in our hearts known and read of all men so what he said is listen i don't need a letter of commendation from you a physical letter the, what is in your life what has happened to you is written in my heart because I can remember what God has done in your life the moment you believe the gospel and what is happening in your life everybody already knows about it so it's a letter written in human flesh that everybody can read Amen for as much as you are manifest, declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Now listen to this. He says, this message is written, this gospel message is not written on tablets of stone. It's written in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Now what does the Bible say? God says, I want to write my law on your heart. My spirit I want to put inside you. He says, a new spirit will I put inside you. I will put my law upon your heart. So what is the spirit, the new principle that he puts upon my heart? It's his law. The spirit, the law, the principle by which God functions, he will now write upon every human being's heart called the Holy, the set-apart Spirit of God, which when He lives in us, we see the person of that truth manifesting in us, real person, a personality manifesting in us, a personality of being humble, yet powerful, friendly, long-suffering, easily to be intrigued, beautiful. That's what we see, the manifestation of the Spirit, of this truth. He says, I want to write my law. He says, by the Spirit, He will write His law. Let's read, read it again there, verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. 
And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Verse 15. But even unto this day when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. In other words, when Moses read, the heart is closed. I can't write the Spirit my principle on your heart because you've got another principle you close your belief your heart with the heart we believe so when I believe in the law of Moses what happens I close my belief that the Holy Spirit cannot write there see how dangerous it is dangerous it is to go to this to the wrong belief verse 16 nevertheless when it shall when it shall turn to the Lord in other words when you turn to the Lord the veil shall be taken away Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So he says, when, as we are ministers of the Spirit, not of the law, of the Spirit. What is the Spirit? What the Lord has done. He says, when you turn to the Lord, okay, then you will be free. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is the Spirit. There He says it. And you're also always thinking, I, here am I. I. I'm honest with you. I confess what, I, what was the emotions in my heart. I was healing so many sick people on the crusade fields of Africa. Everywhere I traveled, we would see signs, wonders, and miracles. But... I, I, I started to look at certain things of the Holy Spirit and I felt it is weird. I don't understand it. It's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. And then I felt maybe I'm not a guy for the Holy Spirit. Because, not that I say I don't have the Holy Spirit, but I just felt maybe these people understand things I don't understand. But when I realized that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the very Spirit of God. And when I believe that I receive the Holy Spirit, and that Holy set-apart Spirit of God starts to live inside me, I find power restored to me. Because, you see, the thing is, and I want you guys to always have this thing in your life, be honest with yourself, man. If something is weird, say, it's weird, I don't understand, help me, Lord. You know, to me, if, if, if gold dust falls from the sky, I don't say it cannot happen. I've seen it. I've seen oil come from people's hands. It is from God. But what does it mean? I spoke to one of my friends. He said to me, man, if, if diamonds fall, it's just God wants to give you a diamond. Then I think by myself, but why doesn't everyone then get a diamond that wants a diamond? Something here is not right. Help me, Lord. I want to understand. And when I start to understand the Spirit of God, the Lamb that was slain, here comes a diamond. What a type and shadow of this. This is what it means. It talks about a precious stone. It talks about the church. It says, you are the precious stone to me. Then I've received something from God, and then the diamond that fell from the air meant something to me. When gold dust falls upon people, what does it mean? It talks about gold dust talks about divinity. Divinity fell upon man. <laughs> Hallelujah! Now I don't even care if the gold dust falls on me or not. The fact that I could see it happening to others here talks about a sign and a wonder. The Bible talks, and all those signs and wonders happen because of the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? The message that divinity fell upon all of man and God confirmed that word with a sign and a wonder. Hallelujah! So, I don't have to have a gold dust to have the Holy Spirit. I have the gospel. Which is the Lord. Which is the Spirit of God. Which gives me power. Hallelujah. Amen, man. This is good news. I haven't... Listen, when I preach stuff here, you must go and check it for yourself as well. Because I haven't read this in some book. You know, I just... I read the Bible... But it, it wasn't some, somebody's teaching, you know. It's, it's just, you know, maybe in some years from now, they will say, St. Bertie said, you know. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Let me just read this again. It's so beautiful. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Just before that, this is what he says. He says, um, Not written with ink, but written with the Spirit of the living God in your heart. So he says, he's come and he's written with the Spirit of the living God. The principle of God, of Christ, the slain Lamb. That's how God writes your belief. That's how He forms your belief. Jesus said clearly, God says, I want to put my law in your heart. Remember the teaching on the law of God that I taught many times here? What is the law of God? Psalm 40. This is my law. He says, God, you've put your law in my heart. But I did not keep quiet, but I've declared your law. I've preached your righteousness. I've preached your salvation. I've preached your faithfulness and your loving kindness. So what is the spirit in which God operates? The spirit of you are righteous. That's a spirit that we have in our heart. It becomes our spirit. We, we, we make so use of that spirit that we are so... I, I mean, when the spirit of God comes and gives birth to a new spirit in us, then this new spirit in us looks like the spirit of God. It means we think, reason, function on the same understanding. The lamb that was slain. The lamb that was slain. Amen. From there our life is born. I read verse 17 and 18 in closing here. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know what that liberty there means? It means liberation from the power of the flesh. Liberation from the power of the flesh. Because when we were under the law, we were not free to do as we please. We were, we were enslaved by sins. We were enslaved by fear. But Christ comes and He re removes the law. When He removed the law, sin lost its power. And we were liberated from the power of destruction. And unto a victorious life. Hallelujah. This victorious life is very difficult to define in earthly terms. Because you can find a guy having a victorious life. His name is Paul. Sitting in jail singing songs of praise. How do you define that by the typical Western European standard of a victorious life? You can't. You find a guy, Paul the Apostle, saying, in the midst of all these persecutions and all this nakedness, famine, peril, the sword, we are conquerors. It's an understanding that can only be born from the revelation of the Lamb of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I was so happy, you know. You know, last Sunday we prayed here. It was the first time we prayed in the congregation for a for a building, another place. This was the prayer, those of you that were here. Lord, you've worked in our hearts to will and to do. You put in our heart a desire to have another place. It means you've given it to us. Now, what we do is we make it known to you and we rest. Amen. And now we've got the place. Amen. I remember at the end of the prayer I said, and that's how easy it is. Amen. And now it happens. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's, 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 it's a dimension, it's, it's a, a life that is formed in the Trinity where you understand your union with God. When that seven spirits, when you think of it, you function from there. Hallelujah. Verse 18. But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Here He comes and He, he changes the word glory with the word spirit. He says... The, the ministration of the Spirit is the manifestation of God's glory. When you look at the Spirit in which Jesus came, you understand, get a new view and opinion of God. The word glory means view or opinion. Go and study the entire word definitions. A view or an opinion. When, when you think of the, the heerlijkheid van God, the, 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 the opinion, wat, wat, wie God is, 
wat gevormd wordt in jou, dit is sy heerlijkheid, die heerlijkheid van uh, goede zwemmer is, hij kan zwemmen. die heerlijkheid van God is die goede goed wat hij kan doen, Amen, wie hij is, that is the glory of God, so here we come and we behold the glory of God, this glory, this view and opinion is formed by the principle of God, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the land that was laid, and we all with open face behold as into a glass an open face a non-law heart behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord and we are changed into the very same image of what we see in God even as by the Spirit of the Lord Amen so what it means is I look at the glory of God the context in 2 Corinthians 3 was the fire on the mountain when Moses was on the mountain in Exodus 34 okay that's the context then God explained it. He says, I am merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Explaining the very being of God. That being of mercy, His mercy is so powerful, it can heal the sick. It's nothing, we don't need a more spiritual anointing. We need to understand, when you understand the truth of the gospel, and the gospel grabs a hold of your heart, that truth possesses the power to heal, raise the dead, forgive, give new life. Not that we are now go, going to try and do it. We find that life born in us is the job of the Spirit to animate you, to bring you to life. Amen. Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit. He says, in the very same way, we should now walk in newness of life by the Spirit of God. What is it? By the revelation, the eyes and the proclamation of the slain lamb. <laughs> Listen, Jesus said this way, or Paul said this way, said, if you don't build on the foundation, which is Jesus, you build in vain. If your doctrine about the Holy Spirit can exist outside of the slain lamb, your doctrine is going to fall. It's not going to last. Amen. And now when we look at the Old Testament, we see, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Now we start to understand, and we can start to interpret everything now into the new. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord does this, and the Spirit of the Lord said. We start to understand, here is the gospel being spoken now. And look at the effect where it came upon Samson. Samson functioned in supernatural strength. Same with us. We are in a place, you know, in this life where you think human strength can't do it. But the revelation of the gospel supersedes human understanding. And it brings a peace in your mind that you cannot understand or comprehend you just know your mind says you must rest but your heart's at peace <laughs> like I said under the law you know your, your mind was at peace but your heart was not at peace because you've you had your kop vol skrifte geprop you know all the scriptures in your head but your heart believed in the law so your mind said well it must work out because I've quoted this 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 but your heart says I know it's not going to work but now your heart says, I know it's going to work. <laughs> but your mind says, but what about this, this, this and this? But you don't care. Because if you can even me measure scientifically the energy that is... Uh, um, if, if you take the mind and you measure the energy by which a person can think, it's a certain level. I think the heart is something like 10 or 15 times stronger. The energy, if you talk about new age now that's transmitted from the heart, from belief, than just from the mind. So now we're living a much stronger life because our belief has changed. What for my kind? You know, my son now, as I don't pass, he's going to school. And he's now start eight. Okay? He must be careful. So as I said, I must be careful if I'm 40. It happens. So in the very same way, I mean, here, here he's, he's going to leave school. What is he going to do? I'm his father. Okay? I want to provide for him. I want to, you know, if, if he's, you know, a normal person, a normal business, if you've got your own business, what's going to happen? Listen, this business is yours. You're going to inherit this. I'm a preacher. Okay? What if he doesn't want to preach? 
What do I give to him as a father? Freedom. Okay. I gave him freedom. This is exactly what came to my mind. I said, this is it. The principle is, I'm a father, I must give him a business. That will stress me out. Yeah. That will kill me. Where does that come from? No, no, no. The Bible says if you train up a child, train him up in the way he should go. Which is what? The gospel. Hmm? And he will have a long life. He'll be blessed. So I teach him this gospel. That's enough. And I can promise you now, all of my children, you know, my heart says to me, my children will be cared for so well. People will look at them and they will say, the blessed of God, the favor of the Lord. I know it. Your mind, the mind looks at university and this and that and whatever. But thank God, I'm not in the, because I'm living by the Spirit of God now. The Spirit of God gives me that inner peace. That's why the Bible says the wisdom that's from above is first peaceable. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So when we look into this very glory, the Bible says we are changed into what we behold of God. By what? By the revelation of the Lamb, which is the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I know this message is different to what we've traditionally heard. But I want to tell you, you are flooded with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Amen. He is available every day. Jesus said, my words are spirit. Didn't Jesus say that? Yes. And they are life. So if you want the spirit, receive the gospel. The real gospel. The reason, the reason people are still chasing after the Holy Spirit so much is because they haven't had the real gospel. Then their heart said there's something missing. And then they were seeking after these things and then had this uh, uh, methods on how to get him. Hallelujah. Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God. Amen. And we have the very same Spirit. The Bible says from this Spirit we can even expect an immortal life. Isn't that powerful? That's what we, that's my, that's what we expect. That's what he says. We patiently wait. And what do we do about an immortal life? Do we stress about how to become immortal? No, no, no. The Bible says, patiently wait now. For what? For the Spirit to bring forth Christ. To, and this is what will happen. Christ will return. We'll be immortal. What do we do? We patiently wait. Amen. Amen. We patiently wait. What, where's our expectation? Your expectation is formed in you by what you believe about the Lamb. That's it. Applied differently in every person's life. Unique for every person. Like for me, I, I, the passion in my heart, and I know it's by the Holy Spirit, I want to translate the websites. I don't know if I told you guys last time. We're translating the website into eight different languages. We've had seven sub-websites already created now since last week. And we are, the whole project will involve 14 people working at this thing all the time. So it's, it's a big job, you know, to get it, to, to run it. But it was just born in my heart, I want to do this. Maybe that's not for you, but for me. But the very Spirit of God, this principle, brings forth something that's so unique to every one of us that I can't take what it has done in my life and apply it to you. You will only have to have your own personal relationship with the one that is not willing to substitute you with someone else because he wants that relationship with you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for your awesome presence. It just feels as if everything is possible. And thank you that you have come and you've declared the fruit of who you are. Thank you, Lord. Love, joy, peace. All the things money cannot buy. Available for free. Thank you, God, just for who you are. For how you function. And how you've included us to function like that. Thank you that we can have the Spirit of God. We function from the God kind. 
thank you Lord that now when we look at somebody and we say he is in the spirit he's got a brand new meaning thank you Lord thank you Lord I declare to you that you are an awesome God to us I declare to you that you were made that, that you are our righteousness I declare to you that you became our wisdom you became our purpose you became everything for us thank you Lord thank you Jesus on how you provided for us with this building thank you Lord that many people in this area will hear your gospel thank you Lord in Jesus mighty name Amen and Amen Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is so, so good.